This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello, everyone. I hope you all are doing well. Chiming in here to say, one, I am so excited about today's guest. And two, we are talking about sex in this episode. So just giving you a heads up if you have little ears around. I hope you enjoy this chat as much as I did. Take care. Hi, I'm Alex L. and I write books for a living. The Hey Girl podcast was created with sisterhood and storytelling in mind. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. Join us as we journey through sharing together. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. (laughs) Hi, Evian. I'm so glad you're here. How are you? Oh, I'm so happy to be here. I'm doing well today. Um, the sun is shining. I'm feeling connected to my body. So yeah, it's a good day. How about you? That's a great day. That is a great day. I'm feeling good too. I just got in from my walk. Feeling good. I guess I'm feeling connected to my body too. So I guess that's a good thing. Wonderful. So I'm really excited to chat with you because your new journal, first of all, is a game changer. And I'm really excited to speak with you about what you do and who you are in this work. But before we do that, can you give us like a nutshell view of who you are and what you do and how you want your work to impact people? Yes. So I will say hello, everyone. My name is Evian Whitney. I am a sexuality doula, an educator, and the author of the book, uh, Sensual Self. My goal with my work is to help folks liberate and heal their sexuality and also connect to their sensual bodies on their own terms, whatever that looks like for them. And so the work that I do is really focused on this holistic view of body reconnection, somatic work, sexual healing, and also like trying to shift these stories or narratives that we have when it comes to shame around our sexual selves, Mm. shame around our bodies, uh, things like that. Mm. Amazing, powerful work. And I want to talk about being a sexuality doula because so often we equate, you know, the work of doulas with supporting mothers through pregnancy and and birth. Mm -hmm. And so I love being able to hear women, specifically Black women, like shifting what a doula can mean and look like in the world. And so can you talk to us about being a sexuality doula, how that came to be and why you feel like that's important? Yes. I'm so glad that you mentioned Black women around doula work because one of the biggest reasons I chose this word doula for the work that I do is to honor my ancestors who were enslaved and were doulas. And that was a part of the work that they did because I I really do see doula work as an extension of the work that my ancestors was doing. I do this work to honor them. Mm -hmm. And you're right. You know, the, the doula, we associate doulas with birth, but there are all kinds of doulas out there. There are death doulas. I even know an abortion doula. Mm -hmm. And so as a sexuality doula, my goal, my job really is to hold space and support people who are in this space of wanting to heal, 
reclaim, liberate, and explore their sexual selves um, in every facet of that. So, you know, the relationships that they have, the kind of sex that they want to have, maybe the shame or trauma that they've experienced that has kept them from being connected to their bodies or their partners or sex. A really great example that I can give you is I'm working with someone right now who through our work uh, one-on-one, we found out that they were asexual as well as queer. And so My work really is not just about educating people in the realm of sex and giving them amazing orgasms or teaching them how to give themselves amazing orgasms and have great sex, but it's also to ask really important questions about who they want to be as sexual beings, which is something that I don't think a lot of us ask ourselves, you know, we sort of come into the sexual realm being like, it's a natural thing. We should all know how to do it. And no questions asked, like just let the body lead. But, you know, we've got a lot of social conditioning around sex that needs to be healed. And I, and also a lot of narratives and stories that are put on us about what our sexuality should look like, the frequency of that sex, who we should be attracted to. So my work is really about like helping folks claim their sexual selves and connect to their sensual bodies on their own terms, outside of these narratives of shame, outside of systems of oppression, Mm. outside of uh, the sort of shoulds that our culture has put on us about what our sexuality is supposed to look like. Mm. Okay. So where I want to kind of go from there, because that was amazing. (laughs) Hearing, like, I'm just, I have chills just listening to you because no one is really, but that I've seen and experienced one-on-one is like really talking about this type of work and liberation. Because Mm. essentially what I hear you saying is that we are reclaiming ourselves through identifying our sexuality, our needs, our wants, our desires, and our sensuality. And that brings me to my next question, which is, can you explain to us the difference between sensuality and our sensual selves and sexuality and our sexual selves? Is there a distinction or is it kind of all under the same umbrella? I believe that there is a distinction. I know that a lot of folks feel that sensuality and sexuality are one and the same. I've even heard people use sensuality interchangeably with sexuality as Mm. though they're the same experience or the same word. But I believe that sensuality is totally different from sexuality, that sensuality has its own rhythm, its own experience, its own sensations. And I also feel and have experienced this in my own, you know, personal growth that sensuality as a whole has been really sexualized. You know, this idea that for me, I'll just speak um, personally, I grew up with the understanding that sensuality wasn't so much about like your personal experience with it. It was more about how you were positioning your body, how you were contorting your energy to attract or to arouse the desire or pleasure of somebody else. Mm. So sensuality for me was about performance, you know, like the best archetype I can think of is like a Jessica rabbit type. And that's not to say that a Jessica rabbit type is not a sensual person, or that's, you know, being conflated as something else. I believe in the both and of it. I think that when we are embodied within our sensual selves, folks will take notice and they will see that, but I don't necessarily think that it has to be sexual. And so for me, the way that I've sort of flipped this understanding of sensuality 
is I have tried to desexualize it and see my sensuality, my sensual self as being about a connection to my body, a connection to my senses, a connection to pleasure in a non-sexual way. And so for me, sensuality is about uh, the way I like to describe it. And something that I mentioned in my book, Sensual Self, is that it's about paying attention with your senses. Mm. And I see sensuality as kind of like a mindfulness practice, you know, like our ability to be sensual is about the way that we can hold space for ourselves and the way that we can feel into the sensations that our body is experiencing at any given time. Even if those sensations or those experiences or those thoughts aren't pleasant, like, can we stay in union with ourselves? Mm. And is it possible for us to hold space for all the different parts of ourselves and connect to the ways that we are moving within that experience. So yeah, for me, sensuality is about listening. It's about being mindful. It's about being embodied. And um, my experience of sensuality as both a teacher and a student of it, because I learned so much about sensuality through my own work, it's been a really beautiful way to help me come home to myself and also inform the way that I show up within the sexual realm. Because if I know what gives me pleasure outside of the bedroom, if I know what it feels like for my body to be aroused and heightened with all of my senses, fully engaged, and I'm fully present in this moment, I know exactly how I want to feel when I'm in the sexual realm. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. That is so liberating. Like, I just keep coming back to liberation, like Mm. being connected to ourselves and staying in union with ourselves, which I love that. And that'll probably be the name of this episode, because that is so important for us to know how to be in relationship with the self, how to name our needs and also lean into those needs and wants without the external projections of others, right? And then Mm. being able to share that with a partner so that we can have the best, not only sensual experiences, but sexual experiences. And I want to talk about your book. It is just, when I opened it, I literally like got teary eyed, like reading through the prompts and your introduction, (laughs) because especially as a black woman, to be able to stand in your power in this way, remove the shame and stigma that comes along with sex. And like, it's not just this thing that we do to conceive. It's not just Mm. this thing that we do to please our partner. Like we also deserve to take up space and have great orgasms. And like, yes, yes, if we choose to childbear, like we can. And if we choose not to, that's fine. You know, like hearing about your experience and reading through the book and looking at the prompts, it's really this invitation to explore what you want 
mm. and what you need without shame and guilt. You did a great job with that. And I want to talk to you oh, about thank you. like the intention behind creating sensual self mm. and what you want rather people to get out of this book. Yeah, I wanted to create a book that I knew that I wanted to create a book about sensuality because of everything that I just spoke about, you know, about how there's a lot of confusion about what sensuality is. And I believe that sensuality is a key to self-knowledge, self-actualization. It can just like go into so many different realms of, of healing and transformation for us. I really believe that. So I knew I wanted to talk about sensuality, but I also knew that I didn't want the book to be like something that you read, you know, you filled your head with all sorts of ideas and thoughts about sensuality. Mm -hmm. Sensuality is something that you can't just intellectualize. It's about like, you have to embody it. You have to experience sensuality through your own body and your own senses. And so I wanted to create a book where people could engage their senses, engage in dialogues with their body, with the needs and desires that they have so that they could essentially build out and create a relationship with their sensual selves in real time. And one of the ways that I look at this journal is that, you know, it's fun and a lot of the prompts are approachable and playful. And there's a sense of ease that I wanted to sort of infuse the book with so that it didn't feel like, oh my God, I have to sit down and write about my sensuality. Like I really, I'm so much about taking baby steps. And so I feel like a lot of these prompts are about taking those baby steps. But the other piece is that I feel that these prompts are also an invitation for people to craft their own unique sensual expression on their own terms as they answer each prompt, as they go through each exercise. Like I didn't want to write a book where I was telling people, this is what sensuality is. And you'll know when you are feeling sensual, when you have these experiences in their body, like I want to ask them, like, what does it feel like to feel pleasure in your body? Like, what does an enthusiastic yes feel like? Like mm. jot down all of those sensations. Or what does it feel like when your body is telling you to rest, jot down all of those thoughts or ideas that you have? Like I really wanted for people to create their own definition and to actually like embody that definition with every practice that they do with the book. So yeah, it was really important for me. And when writing the book, it was so intentional that I made sure that the prompts were guideposts for them to just like find themselves and to spend time with themselves as well. I think you have created journals in the past. So like, I know that, you know, how beneficial and life changing sitting down to write about what you're feeling or what's coming up for you can be. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted more than anything, I just wanted people to take that time for themselves to have a space where they could get to know themselves and come back into union with themselves. Mm, and like, goodness, you did such a great job at that. And thank you. Welcoming people to get to know themselves in this new way is a game changer because so often, and I've spoken to quite a few women who feel like they're out of touch with their bodies, especially if they've been mothers or have carried a child they're like I don't know who I am in my body outside of being a house quite literally a home yes. to someone else right and so I actually spoke with a woman recently who was like she's interested in exploring her sensuality but she grew up in such a religious home that sensuality was deemed like the work of the devil and was mm. wrong and like 
absolutely not. You are body is for your husband Mm -hmm. and your body is for growing children and period. And so, of course, we know that that is not the truth. Yeah. But she is a grown woman trying to dismantle that and reconnect with herself after having five children. Yeah. And it's like, I'm sure you've worked with folks who are like, you know, have become parents or, you know, want to become parents or like don't know if they want to become parents because they don't want to disconnect from their body. Like there's so many different layers to it. And sensual self like is that invitation to get curious and truly be honest on the page, which I really, I really love. Yeah. Yeah. I have experience with that. I've definitely had clients in the past who have raised grown adults, you know, like their children are grown and they're finally like, wow, I have not been paying attention to myself. I don't know who I am. I don't know what my desires are. Mm -hmm. I don't know what I need because I've been so conditioned or I've been put in these positions to only care for other people. And so, you know, books like sensual self or just taking time to ask yourself, like, what do I want? What do I need? What gives my body pleasure? I know some folks might think that that's really selfish and it goes against a lot of what we've been taught about, like what it means to be a parent, what it means to be a mother. But I would argue that doing that work of knowing who you are and knowing what those needs are is so important. And it's going to really deeply impact not only the way that you are a parent, but it's also going to be a really beautiful beacon that you can show your kids. Like, this is what it looks like to stay connected to yourself. Like, this Mm -hmm. is what it looks like for you to individuate, you know, to have your own needs, wants, and desires and to create boundaries about that, you Mm -hmm. know, to create boundaries that like, yes, I'm a mother. And also I am a woman, a person unto myself Mm -hmm. and that's okay. You know? So yeah, I appreciated you sharing a little bit about that because I, I feel that a lot. In the intro of sensual self, you talk about being called fast Mm. growing up. Mm -hmm. And I want you to dive deeper into that because I know a lot of us have had that put on us without people, you know, getting to know what we've gone through or who we are. You know what I mean? And also those projections, like when I read that, I was just like, this is gold. Mm. So can you please talk more about that and share like what made you want to bring that into your book? And yeah. Yeah. I'm really glad that you resonated with that because that was a really, really big piece. I actually kind of fought a little bit to keep that in the book. I feel that that particular experience is really, really familiar for Black women and femmes specifically around their sexuality. And I grew up also in a religious household. I signed a purity contract when I was eight. So like I... Yeah. So I completely understand what it feels like to have repression of your sexual self and also sort of this fear of sensuality. When I was really, really young, I was always very curious about my body. And I was very curious about the things that I could do to make my body feel good. I had a really close connection to myself and I loved being able to explore my body and my identity. And it's unfortunate that that was viewed as being fast. I remember being feeling really sensual and like, obviously I didn't have the language for it at that time, but like, I remember feeling into myself and pleasure and things like that. And having that being put upon me, this idea that I was being fast or uh, sexually irresponsible or whatever it was. And that 
absolutely affected the way that I was in my sensual and sexual self down the line, because basically what I was being taught was that like, oh, to be in your body, to feel pleasure, to like choose and go in the direction of what makes you feel good. That's off limits. You're not allowed to do that. And I think a lot of us are walking around with those narratives. We may not even believe in them anymore, but if we've been given those teachings, if we've been indoctrinated to see the exploration of our sexuality or pleasure or whatever it is to be bad, you know, I often think about this, like how many of us are really having sex and totally enjoying it? Like how many of us are holding back because of those lessons that we were given that like, you can feel good, but not too good. You know, Mm -hmm. you can claim your sexuality, but not too much. We don't want to make anyone uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And so that's a curiosity that I've had throughout my work, both for myself and for the people that I've worked with. Like, are there parts of yourself that are being held back because of the teachings that you have been given about being fast because of the ways that black girls, black femmes are over-sexualized from the beginning. beginning. Yes. Yes. Like, I mean, I was like three years old and somehow some way I was seen as being fast because of the way that I was embodying my body. Like that's ridiculous. I was a child. And how does that affect us? I think it affects us a lot, you know? Mm. And so that's where that sensual reclamation is so liberating. You know, it's not just about like, oh, sweet. I know what my body wants and likes. It's like you're healing a connection that you got disenfranchised from, I think, from the beginning. So you wrote a newsletter last year and you were talking about your number Mm. and the tagline. I was like, oh, my gosh, is she really doing this? And of course, it completely was different than what I thought you were going to say. And that made me even more just I just felt like, oh, my gosh, like this is me. So mm. can you share about your number and why you sent that newsletter? And I'm sure people at home are going to be like, she's about to say how many people she had sex with. That's not what's going to happen. But I want you to like expand on like why you decided to share that and what responses you got from women and folks in your community, because I know I wasn't the only one who like slid off my chair. Yeah. I mean, I, this just speaks to the power of transparency, you know, and also like what I think folks project upon me, you know, like, oh, Evian's a sex educator. They must be having all kinds of rambunctious sex throughout the day, (laughs) you know? And I mean, sometimes, yes, that is true, but a lot of the times, no, it's not. So yeah, I'm thinking back to that newsletter where I was being very honest about like how many times I had sex during that month, Mm -hmm. the whole, like how many times or what's your number has been with me for a very long time. Like, I feel like I started to get acculturated to, you need to get a certain amount or like, you need to meet this quota of sex per month or per day or per week. When I was really young, like I would read Cosmopolitan when I probably shouldn't have have. (laughs) And, (laughs) and, you know, Cosmopolitan was very, very sexual and talking about, this is the amount of times you need to be having sex if you are a healthy individual. And I remember thinking like, and this has been an experience that I've had throughout my entire adulthood. Like my number is never enough. 
Like Mm. if it's three times a week, that's not enough. If it's five times a month, that's not enough. And that's something that I've been really struggling with throughout my entire sexual life. And yeah, I just, I wanted to be honest about it. It was something that I was thinking about. And so in that newsletter, I was like, all right, y'all, I'm going to tell you what my number is. And not necessarily as a way to be braggadocious, but just to be real about like, listen, here's my number. I don't know if it's going to help you feel a sense of like, oh, I'm normal or, (laughs) oh, it's okay if my sex drive is like this, or if my number is like that. Because I think another thing that I did was I gave a number of that month and also a number of the month previous Mm -hmm. to sort of show like, it's okay for your sex drive or your sexual desire to fluctuate. Like it doesn't take away from your worth as a human being. If you have sex once a month, or if you have sex twice a day, like it really is so unique. And I want for us to give ourselves space to be who we are as sexual beings, whatever that looks like. Even if the frequency is like once a month, if it's five times a week, like whatever that is, I want us to give ourselves space and grace to be who we are and where we are sexually without these imposed shoulds or pressures that I think we put on ourselves because society puts on us like this idea of what a healthy sexual individual should look like. And it's really liberating. It's really liberating to be like, okay, if it's okay, if my number, like, I'll be very honest with you right now and say that so far, I mean, we're doing this interview at like basically the end of January. I've only had sex once this month. Mm -hmm. And that's because I have a puppy and that puppy is keeping me awake and is making me so goddamn tired and my (laughs) partner as well. You know, like I have no shame about the fact that I've had sex only once this month. Mm -hmm. And I want for people to have that experience as well. I don't want for them to look at themselves and be like, oh, I'm not a good person or there's something wrong with me or I need to go out and fix my libido or my desire. Mm -hmm. Be curious about that number. I'm not saying to just like disregard it and sort of dismiss it. Like if there's curiosity about that, like that's okay. But I just don't think that we should judge ourselves so harshly about it. I love that. And the reason why I slid out of my chair is because as a married person with three kids, sometimes me and my husband only have sex twice a month. Yeah. And I used to feel so bad about that because it's like, oh my gosh, like we aren't having much sex, but it's like, we're tired. Like Mm -hmm. (laughs) we are tired. And most nights at the end of the night, you know, we want to sit and hear nothing. And so I'm sharing that vulnerably because I know there are women and folks who listen to this show who, you know, may think different or may Mm. feel like they're not having enough sex. And it's like, listen, if we get to it, we get to it. Don't put it at the bottom of your list. But there are days where it's like, I literally have no energy and I don't want to have like lackluster sex just because I feel like we should be having sex. Does that make sense? Yes, that makes perfect sense. And also like, I want to add to this conversation, like I want us to sort of challenge what sex is, you know, Mm. like we see sex as like typically penetration that results in an orgasm. Mm -hmm. And if that's true, you know, that's, that's fine. But like, there are other ways to be sexually intimate 
with our partners. There are other ways that we can be physically and emotionally close to our partners. I think our culture and society has put sex at the very center of our relationships. Yes. And, you know, I understand why maybe it's because of the procreation, but I also feel like that's like really archaic. Like there are different ways that we can communicate intimacy with our partners that doesn't look like penetration and an orgasm. And so if you expand your definition about what sex is, suddenly you're having a lot of sex. Like for me, like having a nice makeout session in bed with my partner a couple of days ago, that was really, really nice. And while it wasn't, you know, a four hour sex session that resulted in us both having multiple orgasms, like that's what I needed. That's what my body needed. I needed that sweetness. And we both enjoyed that when we were really present to the intimacy that was being shared between us. So I also want to like, yes, it's okay if you're not having sex, but also you're probably engaging in Mm -hmm. other ways of being intimate with your partner that you're not counting as sex because we have such a limited idea of what sexual intimacy is. So as we bring this chat to a close, I'm curious to know if you were mentoring your younger self, what would you tell her and what would you teach her? Mm, What a question. I would tell my younger self, like, it's okay for you to be who you are. It's okay for you to have the feelings that you have. It's okay for you to have the curiosities that you have. And I know a lot of grownups are going to be imposing a lot of words and titles and identities onto you about like what your beingness is or what your beingness is maybe communicating to other people. There's going to be a lot of projections onto you but it's okay for you to explore who you are. It's okay for you to be soft. Mm. It's okay for you to be sensual. It's okay for you to be curious about your body and the pleasure that you can experience. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think if I had heard that when I was growing up, I think I would have saved a lot of money on therapy. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening to the show today. Please rate, subscribe, and review. Also, feel free to share with a friend. We love having our community grow. Music is by DC's own Kokai. The Hey Girl podcast is produced by Wayne Bartram and me, Alex L.